Banksy. 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 I've heard about this guy for years. Like the most famous artist on earth. He's anonymous in the age where it's nearly impossible to be anonymous. Banksy has promised to create a new work of art every day this month in New York. With Banksy, you never know what happens tomorrow. Presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on Hawaii for the 290. A study on Hawaii. It's called Hemocide. I gotta do that boom. Someone asked me why they always go boom yeah, to make why the, do you do that. It's because it makes the audio spike. So I know how to edit this motherfucker. So when I see the little red poop, that tells me like, all right, start the audio there. Boom, bam. Thank you, man. But anyways, everybody, welcome to episode 245 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob Pean, sitting right across from me is the Brown Recluse, Mr. Artro. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What is going on, everybody? Um, guys, you're listening to the Art and Jacob Do America podcast, brought to you by our good friends at CavemanCoffee.com. Guys, go to CavemanCoffee.com, check out their entire inventory of coffee beans, hibiscus tea, cacao butter. They have fucking chonies, they have hats, they have pants. They, they really have, got chonies now? I think they do. I think they have chonies. What I would consider to be chonies, they're probably shorts. I just don't wear my shorts that short. <laughs> Um, but guys, they got it all. Uh, use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off. They look like those, like, fucking Lakers in the 1970s shorts. Oh, where, like, Magic Johnson's <laughs> dick's gonna, like, unravel and, like, the, smack Larry yeah, Bird across the forehead. The, yeah. The Pele's. Yeah, the, they're, oh. they're, they're very small. Um, but those are popular, man. Those were popular back then. I feel like if we were in high school in the 1970s, isn't that what high school students had to wear to their gym class? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. With their um, cheeks out and shit and their socks all the way up to their I'm knees. Dude, I'm glad I didn't grow up in the 70s, oh, dude. Oh, God. Like, the fat kid in me? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Dude, I'm not putting on those shorts. Yeah, I'm so glad I grew up like in the 90s and late 2000s where like, it was all about like baggy pants, baggy yeah. shirts and shit. Got to yeah. hide this muffin top. Yeah, so guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Uh, use promo code America to receive 15% off. Uh, Tay Mommy Boo Boo too. Yeah, so speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out the great and the powerful Cole Smith Bosch's uh, clothing store uh, at sucreapparel.com. Guys, go ahead and go to Sucre Apparel. SKR Apparel? Oh, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, go there, go to sucreapparel.com. Uh, check out her merchandise. Uh, unfortunately, she doesn't have booty shorts that, you know, kids in the 1970s were being forced to wear. Uh, for the pleasure of their gym teacher with their cheeks all hanging out. 
Uh, but she does have socks. Um, you can pull those up to your knees if you buy, you know, the appropriate size. Um, you can buy some baggy clothes there uh, if you buy a size up, like our boy Jesus Fuentes from the Words Are Hard podcast. Uh, but check out everything that she has. She has a great assortment of clothing and merchandise, masks, socks, coffee cups like I have here right in front of me. Uh, all sorts of cool things uh, with designs uh, that she designed with her own two hands. Uh, she took like a chisel and a hammer and she just hammered all of these things out of stone and then just kind of took a picture of it and then lithographed on to a t-shirt. So if you love that idea and want to support strong independent women artists, check out sucreapparel.com. Find something you like, enter promo code Art and Jacob, and she will give you 10% off her entire, your entire purchase. If you want to purchase or something and then use our promo code, go ahead and do that. But yes, do that. It shows her that you love us as well as her. But guys, we're not here to talk about chonies. No more chony talk. Or booty shorts or high knee socks like boo's gone wild. Art, what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about Banksy. Mm. Jacob, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Uh, how? When was it? How was it you were introduced to Banksy? Have you heard of Banksy? I know this is a topic that I pitched to you. I wasn't sure if you knew Banksy. Oh, wow. So let me ask you that. Oh, when did I first hear about Banksy? That's a great question. Because he's, Banksy's kind of like one of those things that just seems like he's always kind of been there. Uh-huh. Uh, but he hasn't, as we'll go into <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but I guess like when, whenever I got the internet, like I feel like there was always uh, one of his pieces, mm-hmm. um, either as someone's like avatar, like on a message board, or you know, you know, you know, like those like picture places, like like photo bucket or something that was like really popular, like in the MySpace times, mm-hmm. where like you know you'd get those pictures of like the guy throwing like a bouquet of flowers, like the right guy throwing a bouquet of flowers, or the balloon girl, or something like that. I feel like it was just like always there. So like my introduction to the internet was also like my introduction to Banksy. It just feels like like his artwork kind of blew up as like the like people started to get like dial up internet. I think for me, I think sometime around high school when um, uh, I was really into Gorillas, like my freshman year of high school, that band Gorillas, mm-hmm. and then uh, the lead singer of Gorillas has his main band. I guess Gorillas is technically his main band now, but but Blur was like his original OG band. Yeah. And then uh, when Gor- when uh, Blur put out the uh, the Think Tank album. And it had a Banksy artwork on the cover. That's right. Yes. Um, I was like, that's pretty cool. Like I was like, that's that's pretty cool. And I I still was not really sure of what like what like Banksy was. I was like, I had heard of Banksy, but I didn't know this was one artist. I didn't know anything about that artist. I just knew that that album cover was was uh, cool looking. And then um, it wasn't until, like, so that was, like, my freshman year or whatever that that was happening. So, like, 2000, 2001. Yeah. So, around, like, my senior year, um, I, uh, in in my art class, we uh, we started making, like, stencils. Not stencils, uh, stamps. Mm-hmm. Like, we basically got to carve out our own little stamp and, like, stamp it on things like that. Oh, that's cool. So, like, I made, like, this, like, random looking dude with, like, a top hat and, like, 
I was like, dude, this is so cool. Like I just wanted to stamp it on everything. <laughs> and um in in my art class somebody brought up Banksy and I was like, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And they were like, We can stamp all these things and like do like like Banksy style things, like if we just made a bunch of them. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just pretended I did. <laughs> and then it wasn't and then like I was like that's cool. Like, but that was the first time I had heard anyone really talk about like Banksy as like an artist kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Just like stamping our our like signature on things, like you know the little logo you created. And then right after, like, it almost felt like right after high school. That's when like I was like, maybe around because MySpace was popping up and like you know Photo Bucket that era of time was happening. Um. I started to see a lot more of it and I was like, it just, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't get the, 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 the like political aspects of it. I didn't understand it. I just saw it as something like, Oh, that's kind of eye catching, but whatever mm-hmm. it really wasn't. And it, and they do a r- pretty like legit job of like capturing this in that documentary, the, the exit through the gift shop, uh, when he does the, the Disneyland Guantanamo Bay incident. Yeah. And that was, to me, that was like, to me, that was like the one that was like, "Oh, dude, like I'm all about whatever this dude's doing." Like, I like went back through his like that must have been already like 2012 or something, maybe closer to like that yeah. time period. I don't think he had done Dismal Land yet, but like at that point, I was like sold. I was like, "Dude, this guy is like legit." And then I went back and I was like, "Oh, dude, he did do that uh, the artwork for Blur and all that stuff." I was like, "That's legit," and he did all this like massive attack artwork and like. I was like, this guy is like fucking badass. Like, mm-hmm. then I just became a fan after that. Yeah, a uh, uh, faithful soldier to the Banksy yeah, movement. Yeah. But um, for those who might not know who Banksy is, uh, I guess you can say, well, nobody knows who he is. Uh, but the work that he does, I guess you can say he or they. Um, it, it, they're a street artist, if you can, if uh-huh. you can, if you will. You know, you have your traditional artist that will get like a, you know a canvas and paint a pretty picture, which Banksy also does. Yeah. Let's face it, uh, but primarily he's known. Uh, I, I don't want to call him a graffiti artist because it's not just graffiti, yeah. uh, but street art. You know, yeah, like yeah. Bakersfield now uh, in 2022. Uh, you go downtown, like you'll see like you know mailboxes painted, you know, like with avant garde you know, murals on them or, you know, you'll, you'll go down uh, to the Maya cinemas and you'll see, uh, you know, a huge mural of Cesar Chavez and stuff like that. Uh, that's, this is like relatively a new thing. Like if you go back to like the seventies, eighties and early nineties, that shit just didn't really exist. Like unless, unless you live like in a big city like New York or in downtown LA and whatnot, uh, and it was mostly seen as uh, garbage, you know, it was vandalism, you know, basically. But uh, there was this whole movement, um, you know, kind of like parallel to hip hop. Uh, the whole hip hop, you know, culture is based upon, you know, you know, dance, you know, uh, break dancing, you know, uh, emceeing, DJing and, you know, graffiti art. And it was very much an underground movement that caught on overseas uh, and kind of started, you know, th- this whole Bristol yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one culture. One of the things, I think both cultures were influenced by the same thing. Like, as Jamaican immigrants came into both, like, like Bristol and the Bronx, like, a lot of Jamaican in- immigrants did that. Biggie Smalls was a Jamaican immigrant. Like, his mom, his mom was. was yeah, yeah, his mom was. Like, that That was, like, a big influx of, of those people. And one of the things is, like, in Jamaica, like, Jamaica has street art, since before that, like street art was a thing in Jamaica. Yep. 
so to bring that into the United States, all of a sudden, like tagging, putting up something on a on a the back of a building, on a truck, on a on a on a train or whatever, like that was not that unheard of, and it was happening in both these places. I know that people always want to point out like New York started it, but it's like, and some well, people even say like L.A. started it, but like art, you hit it like right on the head, like that whole Caribbean. Uh, those islands and whatnot, like that was already popping, you know, maybe like a hundred years before all this, um, you know, because that was a way of communication, you know, um, whether it was for nefarious purposes or political purposes. Um, like even like in Mexico and stuff, like there was a lot of that happening before, like, you know, like the eighties hip hop scene and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, if I think it has, it's what's Caribbean roots immigrating mm-hmm. to these areas and like, expanding it and they te- they tend to land in like very low income areas for a reason like th- these are people that immigrated into the country into low income areas and like bringing that artwork of saying like you know what i'm gonna put these like very colorful paintings up on these walls um super interesting that it it, it almost seems like you know that's kind of a, the origins of like rock and roll as well yep. like where rock and roll came from like 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 immigrant culture came in, like started creating the blues and like, you know, the like it wasn't, it wasn't made here, but it was perfected here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the same thing with like street art, street art, you know, maybe it wasn't created. It wasn't created in these countries, but like once it landed in like, you know, England and New York and that sort of thing, like it was definitely perfected in, in those, in those regions however you may look at it obviously tagging like the tagging itself you might say that that's more of a new york thing like mm-hmm. old school tagging but like what banksy is more known for is not just his tagging he was actually like notoriously a bad tagger so introdu- the introduction of stenciling correct was one of the things that really set banksy apart and even stenciling itself wasn't a super original concept I think like he even like borrowed that concept. It was like from some French artist. Yeah, essential. I, f- I can't say his French name, but it just means basically like means black ratatouille rat. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, you're right. Like it's it's not an original concept, but again, it's like the way he used it was completely different, and it was like it was very clever. And I do think that at at the the to me, the the thing about art, the the first thing you have that art, whatever it may be, whether it be music, film, like just a painting, whatever it is, if it doesn't grab your attention, it's not good. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's what Banksy knows how to do better than like most artists out there. That's like nine percent of them, yeah. Instant attention grabber, where it's like, oh, you gotta do a double take of like, what was that? Like, yeah, and actually stare at it and look at it and decipher it and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you want to go ahead and get into that story of like how Banksy started like his, his signature um, uh, way of art. Yeah. Okay. So, so the origins of Banksy, and I guess we won't put a name. What we I guess we can talk theories at the end of who Banksy is. But mm-hmm. the origins of Banksy come from uh, from Bristol, the city of Bristol, which already is like a cluster in like the European continent to me, where it's just like, where is this? <laughs> Every time well, it's in England. Yeah, I know it's in England, but it's always like. I always think like where like I have no like I have no if I got if I landed in England I would have no idea where north or south is like what is where <laughs> like um, but it's Bristol in England and started there as a as a tagging crew called the Dry Bread Crew which you know already sounds like it's like it sounds very like Lost Boys ish in mm. my opinion like it sounds very much like this is 
like the ghetto boy like it, uh, if yeah. you think back at those like earlier like 80s like tagger names or whatever they always have like very like the ghetto boys the, the fat, fat boys, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like they was always like you know like very like the beastie boys yeah beastie boys like yeah everybody's like rocking their adidas jumpsuit and like they're fucking like bucket hat type of thing. Their and, like, hat is like a shark's face. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. They're all rocking that one fake gold chain. They all look like LL Cool J. Oh yeah. Rocking white Adidas. But yeah, um Yeah, I mean that right when I heard that name, I was like the dry bread crew. I was like, Oh my god, dude, that's such a like eighties, eighties, like yeah, like all right, yeah, that's a tagging crew name, whatever. Uh <laughs> and uh they're tagging names, so or origins of his tagging name is apparently he went by Robin Banks at one mm-hmm. point, which is like the clever play on robbing a bank. Yeah. Uh, which is still very clever. I still think I'm like, that's still for being that young. I was like, that's very clever. Like, yeah. He could uh, be like one of the long lost, like uh uncle Phil children, like, you know, Carlton Banks, Robin Banks kind yeah. of thing. Like, cause when you, when you think about when when you don't think about it, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Robin. Like, okay. Yeah. Robert, mm-hmm. Robin or whatever. But then when you really like say it fast, you're like Robin Banks. Oh, okay, because he's doing something yeah, yeah. illegal here. Because ninety nine point nine percent of the time, when Banksy puts a piece of art up, it's an illegal act of vandalism. You know, which yeah. is which goes into his anonymity, anonymity, uh, if you will. And so that that was a big reason, you know, why you have uh, you can't just go up there and put like, yeah, my name is Art Trejo, and you know, you can start yeah. tagging that all over the place. So you have to come up with you know an alter ego named Banksy or the DBZs or DBCs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he grew up with a lot of, I guess technically this is the Bristol underground scene, that which mm-hmm. is, like, famous for its, like, very clever, punny style of art artwork, which is different than what, like, New Yorkers would do. Like, New Yorkers tend not to go with that very punny style. This seems to be more, like, pop culture puns, like, rebelling against the institution of, of the monarchy of having a, a government that's tied into kings and queens, and I guess that that's, you know, I, I guess that, that explains the reason why they would go so, like, um, edgy with their political views, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess does rub some people the wrong way that, you know, can be a little too, like, edgy or, like, you know, childish at times. Um, but I think it's I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I me mean, too, yeah. I, I think if you don't know who Banksy is and you're just like, dude, I have this guy... No clue what the hell these guys are talking about. Just Google some of his artwork as you're listening to this podcast. And, like, the more you Google, and it's not even just his his stenciling work, but then some of his overall art projects are just, like, mind-blowing to me. But mm-hmm. um, but to know. go back into, like, you know, the Bristol underground scene, like, not only are you getting, like, you know, like these street artists, but you're also getting, you know, artists, like, musical artists and whatnot. I'm not going to go into a whole laundry list of them, but there's like some very quality acts that have had like some long careers, you know, stemming from, you know, the inception of, uh, you know, this scene, like in the early nineties, all the way up to 2022, there's still people putting out music and doing very well. Uh, one of the more famous ones, I guess you could say would be massive attack. You know, um, they all kind of come out of like this Bristol scene and it kind of reminds me of like, you know, you know, go back a little bit, like the new metal era, you know, we're like, our hometown Bakersfield, I guess we could say it was like the new metal central because corn came out of it, mm-hmm. but it was really just corn. And it wasn't like, you know, Limp Biscuit and fucking, you know, Lincoln Park well, all came out of, you know, Bakersfield. But like, imagine if you will, like a whole new metal scene came out of like this one small, or I don't know if Bristol's small or not, but like, I don't know place. either. I assume it's big. Yeah. I assume it's like, <laughs> I hear it in a lot of songs. Yeah. So I hear yeah. Bristol. Shout out to Bristol. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyways um but yeah i mean massive attack is definitely that one act but then massive attack itself it's like has been a revol it's two dudes but technically it's a revolving door of who's technically in massive attack for this album for this tour like technically it changes there's only two constants in, in massive attack mm-hmm. it's very nine inch nailish in that sense um but obviously the dude that most people point out to and some people even believe that banksy is in massive attack and that would be 3d mm-hmm. which is also named robert robert uh-huh. Del- yeah so it's like Denia. another one of those like one of those dudes that's like oh maybe this is the whole like robin banks thing like mm-hmm. what's up with this um but he also was definitely in that crew and definitely part part of of the Banksy coming ups in some way or another. And, and even still, Banksy or Banksy says, quote unquote, because he didn't he's never said it directly. There's not him like talking to fucking Barbara Walker saying this, but like through other people putting it out there into the uh, world that, you know, growing up, you know, as a tagger. Uh, he looked up to 3D, you know, um, during this time period. Like this, that's this like one of his biggest influences, if you will. It's kind of like the Warren G. Dr. Dre kind of like relationship, where it's mm-hmm. just like, here you got 3D, who's like the Dr. Dre bigger brother kind of thing, and then like Warren G. is like right there behind him, like learning from him and like doing his own thing, kind of. I almost think that it would be unfair in the world if if uh, 3D and Banksy were the same person. I do too, yeah. I'd be like, that. that's too much talent in one person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Prince is that talented. That, Come on, man. Are you telling me Dr. Dre and Trent Reznor are the same person right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's too much talent in one, in one person. Like, mm. it's way too much. And then even like, not to get too much into Massive Attack, but like Massive Attack shows is like very like Banksy style. Like, they have a like a countdown clock before a, a massive attack show starts and the countdown clock is in a normal clock it's a total of people that are dying in like whatever war like when the afghanistan war was happening they had like a countdown of this is how many american soldiers are dying this is and then once it hit the total it was like a celebration oh we did it we reached <laughs> we reached this amount of people who are dead now so we can start the show now and it was very dark and groomy. Like it was like that's how we start the show because like just yeah. so you know, you're in a privileged state right now. That you're getting to watch a massive attack show, and these people aren't gonna make it home, kind of thing. Mm. So that's very Banksy, like that style of like sarcasm in the Banksy world. I guess is maybe that's a Bristol thing again. Like going back to the whole like monarchy thing of like not complying to the the monarchy rules, but. Anyways, but that is his origins of like coming up in this like the poor side of of England. Although there's a lot of people that say he wasn't part of that crew, like he wasn't part of like the poor side. He would migrate into the poor side to just wanting to be part of this tagging crew and he was more of a middle class kind of guy that just mm-hmm. was f- super fascinated by like all these like what was happening in the hood and what was happening like all the interesting things that were happening in Kind of like Kid Rock story. Yeah, except, except, <laughs> except he doesn't turn into like a racist douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for finishing that. I'm so glad. Uh, but another thing that we kind of quote unquote know, because we don't know if like Banksy is bullshitting us or, yeah. you know, this is true or whatever. But he started, you know, doing his street art at 14 years old, look up to 3D from Massive Attack during this time period. Uh, but he also, you know, growing up, he was expelled from school. Uh, spent some time in prison for what they say petty theft. So, you, you know, you snatched a snicker bar, you know, whatever. And you're like, hey, you, you got to carve up, you know, when you're doing this, like, 
you know, illegal street art at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but he basically says, you know, he w- he wasn't that great at like freehand tagging, and he described an event, or people through him described an event, where, you know, him and his crew they were out, you know, um, doing some street art or tagging or whatever, and you know the cops were on their tail, and you know he all, everybody dispersed. And he had to hide underneath the dump truck. He I didn't think. make it to the car. Yeah, I think is what happened. He just hid under that dump truck. Yeah. And um, as the police were like looking around, like, "Oh, come out with your hands up, you little bloke. We're gonna come <laughs> over here. We're not gonna beat you like the African feller, but we, you know, we'll take you. We'll buy you a hamburger. Uh, just come out with your hands up." Um, <laughs> That's a pretty good British. Thank you, thank you. Um, he he said that like while he was you know waiting for the cops to you know disappear or whatever. Uh, he looked at that dump truck and he saw like the stencil mark, you know, that was labeled, you know, like this, this is uh dump truck number 69, if you will. And he saw that it was just spray painted with a stencil on there. And he's like, oh, wow, like this would be so much more efficient than me trying to like freehand draw this shit mm-hmm. uh, with a spray can, which is incredibly hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to like freehand draw. I've tried. Know? I'm not good at it. I I will never be good at that, no matter how hard I try. Um or practice. Uh, and he said like, oh, this would be so much more efficient and look a lot better and give me my own kind of identity if I just started doing this. Yeah. Um, that is a pretty like genius way of like stealing ideas uh, from like someone else, like from fucking industrial artwork or whatever. Yeah. And being like, wait, this is so much faster. I could, I could do this if I, I could make this faster if I just had a stencil. Which is 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 very very clever. Um, I think you watch the uh, exit through the gift shop where they spend some time with the guy, another another uh, street artist, the guy that created those Obey stickers with the Andre the Giant mm-hmm. face on it, and the way he has to do everything. I mean, you literally like this is not legal, so you literally have to do this at like it's two f- in the morning when there's like the least amount of people there, when you know the the cops are on donut break, and you just got to go and bam, you got thirty minutes to put this up and get out of here. Which is crazy because when you think about it, like you don't have time to sit there and like, you know, map everything out and make make sure your shading's right and you know make sure okay does this color palette look you know good? Will the sun look good on that? Like no, you just have to go in, attack everything just like right then and there kind of thing. And I think you're talking about Shepard Fairey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he his shit he's super interesting as well. Um, he's more open with that, his identity. Yeah, you and know who he is. You get to meet his wife in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. she cooks us a nice, uh, you know, spaghetti meal and shit. Come like on that. in, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you like a diet coke? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it, it's. I thought that was like a fascinating thing, and like every every you know uh, street artist, you have like you have to have like a photographer who also acts as uh, your lookout. Because uh, you got to watch out for you know you know pedestrian that might call the cops on you, actual police that might come after you or whatnot, or rival you know street artists who like will immediately deface your art. Yeah. Uh, but you have to have one of those people there to also f- photograph it or video video videograph it, uh, take video of it because these pieces of art aren't guaranteed to be up for years and years. Sometimes they will only last for thirty minutes because somebody. You know, like a rival tagger might come in and deface it or, you know, the local government, you know, they might have extra funding to support like anti graffiti (laughs) unit to come in and paint right over it. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is super fascinating, like these are like real works of art. Like, yeah, this is not like fucking some dude that spray painted the back of your alley with like little cinnamon bun here (laughs) kind of thing or whatever, like little crazy boy. It's Uh like this is not that level of like this is. 
some high quality shit that's like how in the world did you do this there's still times and like you know i'll be driving through like la or something and i'll see something that level of quality where i'm like god damn how did they come up with that like how did they do that unlike a freeway overpass where like the potential of falling off the freeway overpass and like mm-hmm. falling in a car or getting ran over or just falling and breaking your legs is super high like that to me is just like a level of a level of passion for what you're doing that i i just i i don't have <laughs> <laughs> no i admire it. one banksy piece and we're not going to go over the entirety of his catalog and whatnot. Like we'll sprinkle it in as it organically comes up. But one that I thought like was super amazing. It was like a grim reaper, like in a boat uh, with his like sickle and whatnot. Oh, where he's actually driving it. No, no, no. That was like the New York piece, yeah. but it was like an actual like uh, stencil art that he did. But it's like, how did you do this? You know? And it's like right against the side of a ship. Uh-huh. So like, there's like water, like waving onto it as you know, as you see it and whatnot. So it's just like, okay, did you get like some like flotation device and like, you know, stencil it real quick. And then like, you know, as like the, the, uh, the waves allowed, like you, you, you um, delicately like shaded it in and whatever. I was like, dude, that is like super interesting. It's not his most complex work, but it was, it's like one of those things like where if you stare at it long enough, it becomes more beautiful because you realize like, damn, that must've been fucking intense. Not only to, to get it on there and make it look good, but to do it and not be seen at the same time, it's just like fuck, dude. Like, no, I mean, th- there. I would say like the three most dangerous ones. Is it is it the wall in Pakistan where he put the the girl floating with the balloons? Um, and there's documentation of him doing it. Like, there's footage of him doing it. And he's in and out, like just stenciling the balloons and the lines and the girl, and bam, he's out of there in like mm-hmm. thirty minutes because they don't play around there. Like you're not going to jail. Probably you're probably getting shot if you get caught doing that. Mm -hmm. And he tried doing that in the United States, Mexico border. Once Trump was doing the wall and and he had that famous quote that said like, I was into walls way longer than Trump's been into walls. (laughs) And so like, those are like high risk, like things like, you know, if, if like border patrol catches you, like they're not going to take it in as a joke. They're Mm -hmm. they're not, no one's seeing this as a joke. Even the Disneyland one, the one that like got me really into Banksy where he, basically goes into Disneyland with an inflatable doll and like ties it up to the, uh, <laughs> big thunder mountain, big thunder mountain, like ride where they had to shut down the ride. Cause they thought it was a person that was there. And, and if, you know, if you can imagine what one of those Guantanamo Bay prisoners are with the, the orange jumpsuits and the black hood on their heads, he had one of those right there on big thunder mountain. And basically he just goes into the bathroom, changes out, and then rides, I think he said Pirates of the Caribbean. He just hopped Small on. Small world. Yeah. And then the other guy, the guy that was documented, that's the guy that got arrested. But he, yeah. he was able to get out of there by just changing his clothes and riding Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm like, dude, that honestly, like that to me was like legit. Because he must have been scouting that out for so long. Like going like, there's not a lot of surveillance here. I'll have like 30 minutes to do this and get out of here. And like, I don't know. I was like, hats off to you. Like, that's brilliant to me. Where I was yeah. like. I, I like I like that one a lot. Yeah, and <laughs> a lot of people like when when you watch and one two documentaries like I really highly recommend that everybody watches if this like episode like piques your interest. As we've mentioned a couple times, it's called Exit Through the Gift Shop, uh, where it's supposed to serve as a documentary about Banksy, but he kind of turns the camera on the documentarian and makes it about him. 
which I thought was was genius. And I'll get into that, you know, maybe a little bit later on in the episode. But there's that one as well as um, Banksy Does New York. Yeah. Where it's like you kind of get like in the headspace of like where he's coming from kind of thing. And um, in the exit through the gift shop, uh, they actually interview. No, no, no. It's uh, Banksy Does New York where they actually interview. It's like he's like some columnist. We'll just say it's like from the New York Times. Uh, Banksy did a whole residency of New York, like mm-hmm. where every day uh, he would do a piece in somewhere in New York. He wouldn't tell you beforehand, but like he then he would post it to his Instagram, um, like, "Hey, here's this art," and then he would like put like kind of like a, a companion like audio piece to it, like this is supposed to bring calm. And it would be like a, a truck, like in the middle of like hell's kitchen with like this, like diorama of like a waterfall, like very beautifully put together or whatever. Uh, but he was like, this is supposed to bring calm. But what it was doing, it was bringing chaos. And it was just like the, the whole like commentary of like, you know, social media and hype, if you will. Uh, but like, it was just, New York was going crazy over this, like in 2010, I believe it was. And the columnists from the New York times, like when they were interviewing about it, they were like, well, we didn't cover this at all. And by 2010, like Banksy is like a household name. Like grandma yeah. knows who this motherfucker is, right? Um, and they're like, we didn't really cover it at all. Like he's like, maybe we might have mentioned it, you know, in passing or whatever. And he goes, no, 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 I, we didn't cover it at all. Us from the high art society, we don't consider Banksy real art. Uh, we consider it like the lowest of the low. And then and the, the guy that was interviewing him was like, well, why is that? And he goes, well, because he just hits you over the head with its message or whatever. Like, there's nothing to this. I, you know, me personally, and he's like a super beta, like, so soy boy looking <laughs> motherfucker. And he's like, I, on the other hand, prefer something with a little bit more subtly, uh, sub, some stuff that's more subtle and has more nuance or whatever. And then, like, it shows, like, some of the, like, it uh, cuts into like some of the stuff like he praised and it was like the most like basic like Norman Rockwell bullshit and we I think we yeah. talked about it on the Patreon like it's like this 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 perception of what's art like Nancy Reagan like it's this perception of like what's good and wholesome or whatever but like behind the scenes like you know she's like called hammerhead because she gives the best <laughs> fucking head in like all of like hollywood or whatever <laughs> and it was just like oh my god motherfucker like it's so a lot of like banksy's like artwork was is kind of like commentary like on the art world in general where it's like there's a lot of elitist yeah. gatekeepers that fucking like to like downplay what what he's doing with like a lot of like bullshit like here's Here's some happy trees and some happy clouds or whatever. It's like you're not saying shit. When, you know what I'm saying? When uh, they got a hold of that that painting of of a uh, girl with balloon, which is one of his most famous paintings, mm-hmm. and uh, it was at an auction. This is one of the big Banksy moments where it was at that auction, and um, as they were auctioning, as soon as it sold, he set it off so it can start getting shredded. Which I was like, oh my god, dude, that's so brilliant. The fact mm-hmm. that it's like this thing just sold for like. 1.4 pound yeah. 1.4 million pounds which is like almost two million dollars here yeah and then as soon as it went off like everyone just turns around because the machine goes i was like and it starts shredding the painting and it's like mm. oh my god dude this guy yeah. this guy knows what's up and what's funny about it is is it it's obviously it starts off as one thing and i think like the piece like the girl with the balloon or whatever like it turns into a whole separate entity so like the the evolution of that art you know, like that's the genius thing too. Or like the Mona Lisa is always going to be the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And if you destroy it, it's destroyed, but you just, and it stops halfway before it gets shredded all the way. 
Um, so like the piece still lives like that, like it's still in the same frame and yeah. whatnot. They, whatever. they left it just hanging, like half of the painting is stuck and it's like half of it's shredded. Yeah, the shred is or whatever. And I forgot to write down the name of it, but like it went from girl with a balloon to like, you know, something. Oh yeah, I, I it did. They did change the name on it. Yeah. He he. It's funny because as soon as he did it, he posted on his Instagram and he said the urge to create. And the urge to destroy come from the same place. Yeah, the urge to destroy is also a creative yeah. urge, which is like a Picasso thing. Um, and then, yeah, he posts like on Instagram, like right after all this like went down, he puts going, going, gone. And he proceeds to show like, you know, years before, you know, this painting sold just because he was getting pissed off that, you know, his work would like people would like hammer out like sections of a wall, like like four thousand pound fucking pieces of a wall, and then sell it, you know, for fucking you know two million dollars or whatever. Which he doesn't see, by the way. You know, that's like being profiteered, you know, by you know whoever fucking steals this art or whatever. Uh, and he was getting pissed off about that, so he's just like, here, you know, one of my most famous pieces. I'm going to put it in this elaborate, you know, frame and then install its own shredder or whatever. But he, he documents this right after it fucking sells. Like, hey, two years before this, I installed a fucking shredder into this painting. Yeah. It's pretty pretty genius stuff. Even so, like, going into, like, high-end, like, art museums. I and, love this. And uh, literally just putting on some, like, glue and putting on his artwork and then just putting a little note on there and it's running out. Uh-huh. And he's done that to a few different, like, art galleries and, like, art museums where he, like, puts he, his own artwork and then, like, dips. And it's not even just, like, the Bakersfield Art Museum. It's, like, these high flute, like, the one in Paris, like, the Louvre or whatever. Like, yeah. he did that. And his work, and this is, like, the crazy thing, his commentary, like, on artwork where it's just, like, he did that, like, in the highest of highest museums or whatever. Like, let's just say the Louvre in Paris or whatever. And it would stay there for months before anyone realized it because it, it looked like it belonged. Because, like you said, his art is really good. It's yeah. it's awesome. And it's, like, right there next to, like, the Mona Lisa or whatever, like, with the little placard or whatever that matches everybody else's. And it lived there for, like, a month until, until like, you know, the curators caught on. And here's the same – here's – the crazy thing, like when he did that whole month-long residency in New York, those same exact paintings he would put for sale for $60 Yeah, <laughs> in a New York, like, you, you know, like when you go to LA or Chicago or like any of these big cities or whatever, and like they have like those like, you know, you see it at the beach all the time too, like paintings for sale, and it's always like a copy of like a Picasso or something like yeah. that. And it says, it all it says on there is it just says... um stencil art 60 bucks and it's like all these original banksy paintings or whatever and some of them are like recreations of some of the ones he put like in these high flutin museums or whatever 60 bucks and he put like he hired like some like elderly man to sit there or whatever fat old dude with like a sweater vest (laughs) yeah like eating his subway sandwich (laughs) and shit his hoagie and fucking like all these people are just like walking by and like turning their nose on it and it i think it some dude showed up and bought four of them. Like, yeah, he did. He, he just like, showed up and was like, you know what? I just moved into a new place. I'll take some of them. Yeah. And then that, the, in the documentary, like some lady's like, yeah, I'll take two. They're pretty cool. And like just like dips out. Yeah. It's like, dude, those are like million dollar paintings now. And like, yeah. And walk. he's like, his whole thing was like, it was this commentary of like, what is art? Just because you see it framed like in the loo or whatever, does that give it validation? Or just because it's like sitting in like Central Park or some like, you know, in the ghetto somewhere, you know, like for sale for 60 bucks. Like how do you how do you put value on art? Which I thought was like a brilliant commentary. He's like, it's the same piece of work done by the same dude, but over here it's sixty bucks and you're walking past it. 
but it's in a fancy art museum and you're over there like jacking yourself off about it kind of thing, yeah. which I thought was genius. And to kind of go back on that, the people that did buy those paintings, there's another genius thing about what Banksy does. It's kind of like his Robin Hood mentality. It's again, another genius thing about his name, Robin, um, where those people, they bought those pieces of work for 60 bucks. And then later on, they find out like, oh shit, these are original Banksy's. Uh, one couple that bought like two of those paintings they were able to turn around and sell it for like $2.5 million. And they're like, well, we could keep these things and like, you know, go through the fucking trouble of like, you know, insuring it. And then, you know, you know, the possibility of it getting stolen because Banksy works are highly sought after. Right. Or we can sell them and change our life. And you see this a lot with Banksy's works as well, where it's just like he'll tag someone's wall and whatnot. So they sell these, um, these paintings and they buy like their dream home and they build like it on their own, pro- like this piece of property in New Zealand because they were from New Zealand visiting New York. And it was just like, dude, that's beautiful. And you see this a lot with Banksy where it's just like he'll see like a struggling business and he'll paint on their wall. He'll stencil on their wall or whatever. And it brings all this traffic, you know, to that store or that neighborhood or that block that's like going into disrepair. And it kind of like changes the lives for the good of all of these individuals and yeah, independent businesses. I mean, he's done. He he does put his money where where his mouth is. Like he uh, he did fund boats for the refugees uh, to basically bring them to safe land. So it's not like he's just keeping the money and he's like fucking wearing a fucking tuxedo to fucking courtside at the Clippers game. <laughs> you know, like he he is legitimately putting his money where his mouth is. And um and yeah, he when he was in that uh the thirty with the the Banksy does New York where he's basically doing different artwork for 30 days. He's set up under like this overpass. That's like adjacent to like this high end museum and uh, the high end like art gallery mm-hmm. in this like overpass where all the homeless people are. He basically set up like all these like little champagnes and wines and everything. And he had like these paintings set up right there with like this old man handing out little glasses of wine to people and going like, yep, this is the new Banksy here. It's like in the fucking ghetto where all these like homeless people walking around, but this is where it's at. And here's your like little wine for your art gallery. And it was like cheap wine too. It was like box wine, yeah. like in one of like those uh those uh, water cooler containers and shit. Like yeah. I thought that was fucking hilarious as shit. With like fucking American cheese like on a stick <laughs> yeah. and shit. Like I just I love that like that cynicism about him. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and and it's not like he's just like the art could be that like the interaction between. You know, um, you know him and society, him in New York and whatever. But like the actual pieces that he's showing, like they convey like a really great message. Like again, to reference, you know, Banksy does New York. Like one of his um, his works, it was like this the stencil of like these horses, like with like these like you know zero dark thirty, you know, glasses on or whatever. And it was during that time period where like we were like drone striking the shit like at all, all these like you know places killing children killing innocent people like all these like these casualties of war if you will and there was not a lot of attention on it him using his platform where he knows like he can just draw a rat like blowing boogers into a fucking cloth or whatever and it's gonna get (laughs) get millions of fucking hits or whatever he's like let me bring attention to this uh situation 
And he does it. He doesn't do it. Uh, this is where I push back on that fucking stupid art critic from, let's say, the New York Times or whatever. It doesn't hit you over the head. You kind of got to you got to sit there and look at it for a while before you're like, oh, wow, like this is what he's talking about kind of thing. And you can even go even further where, you know, it could be talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and whatever. So he still leaves it up for interpretation. But you also got to go into it with like a little bit of sense of like what's going on in the world. And even if you don't know, even if you're like a listener of the Words Are Hard podcast, you don't you don't know shit about <laughs> politics, or pretend you do, and you voted for Larry Elder, um, you can just look at it like for what it is. It's very eye catching and very appealing. Yeah, I think one of the things that he he consistently does is the contrast of this is what life is supposed to be, like the life that we all understand, and I think we all get that. We all understand Norman Rockwell paintings, like they're easy like that to me is like the easy this is why it's on a fucking denny's menu like <laughs> it's nothing special about a norman rockwell painting it's but, just visually appealing yeah but because he inserts the things that we don't want to see into not not norman rockwell style paintings like you know the whole Guantanamo bay at disneyland thing and then to get into one of his big ones where he teamed up with all these different artists to do Dismaland, um that to me was like I had heard about Dismaland and I was like, dude, that is like a massive art project. Like that, I was like, I, I had to like look it up several times just to make sure that I was reading this right, that this dude created a fake Disneyland full of like nothing but art projects that or like, and fake rides and things that all sucked with employees. Yeah. With, with employees that looked depressed and didn't want to be there. And were just basically forced to be there as you walk in they had to search you like 20 times just to let you into the park. And that was part of the art project that you were being searched that many times to get into this park that sucked basically. And like the crowning jewel of like the Banksy thing was the, the Disneyland castle, but falling apart. And as you walk in, it's, it's sleeping beauty cause sleeping beauty's castle, but mm -hmm. her horse and carriage is flipped over and she's like dying as she's like being rolled over this, this horse and carriage and all the paparazzi are just taking pictures of it, which is clearly a Princess Diana like mm -hmm. thing. But it's like it does say a lot about us as a society, like like in so many different ways. Like it's it's layered upon layered of the fact that like I always think like Disneyland is kind of the what society expects, you know, what the the glory of capitalism all in one place. Was like you flip it on its head and here's all the things that Disneyland wants you to forget about capitalism. Like mm -hmm. that it is it is the tabloids. It is the selling Princess Diana's like dying body pictures for for the for some tabloid cover picture. It is like all the paint overpriced shit to get like a cup of water at Disneyland and all these rides and all these like unhappy employees. Like Disneyland just had like this strike with all these employees trying to keep them happy, and they had all these and they fired all of them during COVID. And all. There's so many like bad things that people like always want to ignore about capitalism and i don't want to say that that's that's his message because i don't know what his message is but that's definitely what i get out of it that mm -hmm. it's like all these negative things have been like you know thrown in our faces because of it but like we always want to we always want the disneyland i think it in a in a metaphorical way like whatever your disneyland is norman and, rockwell yeah we always want the norman rockwell but we always want to ignore all the 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 other side of the fucking the other side of the window, I guess, of the people that don't, the everything, everybody's like 
all the stepping stones that it took to get here just to have a, a nice little pretty Norman Rockwell thing where you can enjoy this and all mm. the bad shit that it took to, to get to it. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool. I know that he gets a lot of backlash on it because it's like, what? This isn't fun. Like, this wasn't kid-friendly. That's not and, supposed to be. Yeah, and it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be kid-friendly. Like, you were supposed to be fishing fishes out of, like, oily water and things like that. Like, there was an oil spill and you were supposed to, like, get the fish and duckies out of it. And it's like, dude, that's... That's the point. That's the point. You're you're controlling these boats full of refugees, and like that was one of the rides that used to be at Disneyland many years ago. It's not there anymore. Where they had the boats that you can control. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And like he put that as one of the rides, but all the boats had like all these overfilled refugees and stuff like that. So I don't know. I thought everything about it was like genius. I wish that that's one of my like bucket list things that I wish I would have been able to do while it was still open. But it was over in UK, and we're yeah, probably yeah. making minimum wage and fucking oh, yeah. Target. No, I was probably <laughs> making less than minimum wage at the time, so yeah. Yeah. Um, another fucking cool-ass project that he did. Again, he doesn't just do, like, you know, street art or whatever. Uh, that's his bread and butter, um, but when he went to Bethlehem, and um, you, you can tell, like, you know, he's very passionate about, like, the whole, like, Mideast, uh, you know, crisis that goes on over there between Palestine and Israel and whatnot. Uh, but there's a wall. You mentioned it, you know, the whole Donald Trump, you know, build a wall kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think this was even well before Trump went into office. Um, Israel, you know, they built this wall uh, to separate themselves from Palestine. And it's created all sorts of, you know, problems, both violence and uh, fucking economic problems or whatever. But he goes out there and he tags all over this wall. Mind you, there's fucking watchtowers with armed Israeli guards and whatnot. And they don't fuck around. And it shows him, it doesn't show his face, uh, it shows him, you know, putting up a ladder, going up, throwing up a stencil or whatever. And I think he did like four or five pieces and whatnot. Um, you know, one of them was like, you know, uh, it, like a very realistic picture of like the wall being opened up and like there's not, this is like beach paradise, you know, on the other side kind of thing. Uh, but another big thing, kind of like Dismaland, is he built like um, this hotel uh, yeah, called yeah. the Walled Off Hotel, which is... Yeah the wall off the hotel or whatever. With like the worst view in the world. Yeah. yeah, the worst view of the world where every room views like, you know, the wall on the Ooh. West Bank and whatnot. And then like, it's like a collaboration with all these artists where, you know, no matter where you look, like there's like some kind of social commentary about, you know, Israel where uh, one of the pieces that kind of stood out to me was like, it was uh, one of those scales and it had like one Israeli tooth Mm-hmm. on there and it was you know obviously viewed heavier than it was like i guess you could say like a hundred you know palestinian teeth mm-hmm. and it, some people call it was being anti-semitic or whatever which i totally disagree with but it was like a commentary of like how israel views palestinians that their lives one life is worth more than a hundred uh palestinian lives and whatnot and i just thought that was genius and the whole hotel is and it mind you it's like a five-star hotel like there's a piano that plays by itself where I think like Elton John can like phone in, like get on his iPad and play like, and like he can be like in London somewhere playing that shit. And fucking, you know, the piano is playing that like right in the lobby or whatever. And it's like in the middle of all this motherfucking Mid East chaos. And it's just like this five star fucking hotel. And yeah, I mean, if you look at the outside, it's a very nice looking hotel. There's an old man open the door for you as you walk in. And everything around it is rubble. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything is, like, rubble, so you probably wouldn't want to stay there. And he, it's genius that he even does those things because mm. I think he's aware of who he is in the art world now. Like, when he did Banksy Does L.A., um, 
as soon as it was announced, like the morning it was announced, like there's a Banksy up and he's doing this like art exhibit in LA now. It was like the Hollywood heavy hitters all show up. Angelina and Brad Pitt are here. Like everybody's here. Like, you know, like all the all the rich celebrities are here first to see Banksy and he's aware of that, but he's also like because of because of the attention that he's getting, I think he also wants to make it unaccessible so that's why it's always like in the worst places like if you want my artwork you gotta go to like skid row yeah skid row here here's the border wall between united states and mexico pakistan like everything is like really hard to get to and people still go yeah which shows you a little bit of like what you know (laughs) how good his artwork is really Mm -hmm. um it's funny too um you mentioned banksy a couple weeks ago i believe it was like on the patreon like where he he kind of like blows up like in 2006 where you said like Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. uh, she starts to buy, you know, his pieces. And it's worth noting, like he doesn't really profit off of these things. So it's, it kind of lends for interpretation. Like, yeah, might, he might be 3D from fucking Massive Attack because it's like, how are you able to sustain these things? Like a five-star hotel in Bethlehem. How are, how are you able to do that? How are you able to go here, there, and everywhere and do all these, like, elaborate, you know, basically created, like, a whole theme park. Like, that's got to that's gotta be a lot of money or whatever. But he does have, um, I guess you could say an art broker named uh, Pest Control, mm-hmm. where some things, you know, you know, where he's able to b- basically eat <laughs> yeah, yeah. by selling stuff or whatever. But, yeah, um, Christina Aguilera, I thought it was funny. Uh, she bought uh, two pieces. One was, like, uh, Queen Victoria getting eaten out. <laughs> <laughs> lesbian style or whatever um, buys his pieces for twenty five thousand uh, dollars as well as a couple of other pieces about you know kate moss uh and the mona lisa kind of thing and um i that's like kind of like where it, he kind of went from like an underground sensation where it became like more mainstream you talked about it like where he did like uh um an, an art exhibit in la kind of shortly after that and it was like in the middle of like Skid Row and you said like all these like celebrities come out, you see the Brad Pitts, you see fucking Frankie Munez or whatever with his Clipper Jersey on and shit. Hmm. And then in the middle of the show, like there's like this elephant that like walks in that's like painted, like with like those Florida leaves, like Versace fucking uh, print all over yeah. it or whatever. And it's, like, it's supposed to represent like the elephant in the room. Like, Hey, while you guys are over here, like, dropping $25,000 on Queen Victoria, you know, getting her pussy eaten out like it's Black Swan or whatever. Like, there's a whole fucking country on the other side of the ocean in Africa that's like, they're starving to death. Like, what are we doing about that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that, like, I really appreciate about his art. Like, yeah, he'll he'll do, like, those big shows with the, with the celebrities or whatever, but, like, he'll make it a point to be like, hey, let's put this focus and energy on things that really do matter in this life, not... Queen Victoria getting her fucking clit lick. Yeah, I mean, he has a balance. He has that, there's one of, it's mostly a stencil, and it says the, you loot, we shoot kind of thing. And it's, I think Donald Trump had the, when the looting starts, it's not an original Donald Trump quote, but he was paraphrasing someone else, which is. Some racist sheriff in Arizona, I believe. Yeah, and it's like. He has one where it's it's basically the same thing, the same the if you loot, well, you loot, we shoot, and it's basically like this like rich wealthy white dude carrying like a stack of money and like, um, it is one of those things that's like yeah, it's very like it doesn't take a genius to figure out what he's trying to say here that like 
you know, the wealthy people steal all the time and we do nothing about it. But it, the more you think about it, the more you're like, you should have to, you should think about those things kind of thing. Like they're, you know, Jesus, I'm sure never thinks about that stuff. Like, <laughs> like I'm sure Jesus is just like, no, no, if you're, if you steal a candy bar, you're getting shot, dude. <laughs> and it's like, well, like wealthy Donald Trump has stolen like more from people than, than any like dude in prison has. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that you should, you should think about before you like vote for Larry Elder kind of thing. So no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do you want to jump into um? I, there's so many things that we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, well, I'll just follow you. I, I'll follow you on this one. Go ahead. Um, who who you believe Banksy is? Because again, the reason why Banksy says, you know, that he um is anonymous. I mean, yeah, you there's videos that exist on YouTube, and I'll go out on a limb and say they're fake, just because there's no consistency mm-hmm. to any of the way these gentlemen look. Um saying that oh we caught Banksy he was doing a stencil here and it's like oh that looks kind of shitty I don't think that was Banksy or it's like fake like where um, it ended up being like some MTV VJ like in Europe or whatever just Mm -hmm. like doing copying Banksy basically doing Banksy's type shit Uh, but we don't to this day we don't know who Banksy's true identity is we don't know what he looks like there isn't er there are two early British interviews. The one where he just has a shirt over his face. Yeah, and then X is through the gift shop. Apparently, that's supposed to be Banksy. Uh, there's one from 1995 where, I mean, you see his hands and you can hear his actual speaking voice, uh, but he's basically you know talking about like what he does and whatnot. And I might put that as a sample at the end of this interview. And then there's another one with like Sky Full News, uh, Bristol or whatnot, and it's like this really elderly like reporter. And it's like one of his like first uh, art exhibits where like he just painted like a bunch of animals and he's just kind of like wearing like a pre-corona like face mask kind of thing. And he, he looks like he could be like a model or like a lead the funny singer for is, a band. In that picture, in that video, every time I see that, I'm like, that's 3D. Like yeah. that one, if you if you look at what 3D looks like and you look at that one, that, that one to me is like, if you want to convince me that 3D is the same dude, that is the same dude. That's like the same eyebrows, same like fucking like skinny white dude that has like male model features. In the straightest <laughs> sexually explicit way possible. It, doesn't he have like the kindest eyes? Like to quote super bad, it's like you look into his eyes and it's almost like listening to the Beatles for the yeah. first time. It's like that, that's man, another that's another one of those things that makes me hate 3D the more I think about it, where it's like, all right, this dude can't be Banksy. Like put a pull up, put a picture of 3D on there. I won't say he's like Brad Pitt level hot guy. No, or whatever, no, yeah, but, but he is like, all right, you can't be that good looking. You can't be in Massive Attack and be Banksy. Like yeah. one of the three has to go. Yeah, <laughs> are you Jesus? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Even Dr. Dre like let himself go at one point. Yeah, at like, one point he was fat and he yeah. beat women. So yeah. I mean, come on, there's there's some flaws there. Like, where are your flaws at, Mister Denia? Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that's where I was going. Like, where you're like, okay. It, was that Banksy? Because then, like, when you hear that guy speak, he doesn't sound anything like the guy that's on Exit Through the Gift Shop. Mm-hmm. He doesn't sound anything like the guy. Well, Exit Through the Gift Shop, he has, like, a muffled voice the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> but you can still, like, the, 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 the mannerisms and way someone speaks and, like, the general tone. Like, yeah, it's, it's distorted, but, like, that interview from 95 where it's not distorted, it sounds almost identical to the guy that's on Exit Through the Gift Shop, if you will. But that's what I'm going off of. Um, 
where it's like th- those are the two or three instances where we know like this is quote unquote Banksy. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably and I think most people would agree that it's one of three things. It's either that Robbie guy, Robbie Oh, uh, Robert Gunningham. Robin Gunningham. Yeah, which a lot of people say it's possible that it's him that takes us back to the whole like Robbie ba- robbing banks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um or it's a collective. It could be that that his that original crew, the the uh the dry bread crew. And then they were like, you know what? What if we just create one like character that we all fall under? We'll call it Banksy. Mm-hmm. It could be that, but even if it is that, that means that Robert from from Massive Attack is involved in this, and that could be how these con- they continue to have large fundings for these massive projects that they do. Mm-hmm. So it could be that maybe he's not directly always involved in it, but I don't know. I just I hope not, because again, that's too much. Well, it's like Wu Tang kind of thing. Like, yeah. like what is Wu Tang? It's it's there. There's nine people in it, but it's like a whole movement. Like it, it's yeah. it's one sword. If you listen to the RZA or whatever, some fucking shit that he says or whatever, it could be something like that. Uh, to go back on that Robert Gunningham guy, um, uh, I guess they use geolocation data uh, through the Queen Mary University of London that like does this like high flu with computers think of the yellow ranger and these computers that we got now to quote art <laughs> uh they they looked at like you know where robert gunningham uh pinged and where banksy was throwing artwork up and it like almost universally matched across the board yeah. going back to that shredded picture of girl with a balloon robert gunningham was front row for that filming it with his cell phone and the picture that you get on Banksy's Instagram is the same angle which Robert Gunningham was filming that at. And then also when you go on to Banksy's Instagram, there's a really cool video of him. It was like during, you know, during the lock, the initial lockdowns during Corona and whatnot, where like you see this dude like in a hazmat suit and uh, he looks like he's spraying for pests pest control reference yeah. right there. Right. And he's like, you know, doing all these uh, stencils of like, uh, rats, all, you know, playing throughout, you know, the the subway, sta- an empty subway station or subway cart. And like, you know, he's like spraying all this stuff to make it look like mucus and, you know, Corona being, you know, you know, uh, flying all over the place. And it's funny. But like you get like a little glimpse of like his eyes through like the hazmat suit. And you're like, oh, wow, that's the Robert Gunningham guy. Mm-hmm. But then you go back on another video and it looks just like 3D from fucking Massive Attack. He's presenting himself as Banksy. But he looks totally different than like this curly headed semi chubby dude. He looks like this perfect angel from Massive Attack <laughs> <laughs> with like skinny features. And put shit a, like put that. a picture of the Massive Attack guy and do the hot or not on that one. Yeah, hot or not, hotty or naughty. <laughs> is he being naughty when he spray paints on the walls, or is he a hottie when he's on stage singing? <laughs> you decide, America, or both. Um, you know what? It it is a tough one. I do think in that interview where it, he just has the shirt or the thing on his face or whatever. I think it looks like a shirt, like he just rolled up a shirt to cover mm-hmm. it, like turtleneck or some shit. That to me, that's that's the dude from Massive Attack. Yeah. That's Robert from Massive Attack. He even has like the little hair. Like I could see like the cute little hair, like the little like feathered hair coming out. <laughs> Robert Gunningham like has fucking you know uh, like fuzzier hair, like curly hair. Whatever. And isn't he going like bald already? Yeah. That one, like they have similar features, but he's like he looks like he's 
older and balder, even though I think Robert from Massive Attack is actually older. Mm-hmm. He again, the, the genetics, the genetics lottery won out there. I but. mean, if he's got a fucking hog on him, like <laughs> someone just needs a fucking bat. just kill him already. <laughs> just blow his fucking brains out. He does not deserve. Yeah. We do not deserve him. <laughs> um yeah i don't know man it is a tough one i think it could be a collective of artists which i know there was even uh there's a girl in uh exit through the gift shop where people say that she is banksy and she just organizes all these artists to like go out and do these artsy style paintings but i feel like that's way too much like that's already way too complicated like you're overthinking this thing Mm -hmm. i i think it could be just Maybe like two dudes. Maybe it is just those two dudes, and mm-hmm. that's where they get all the funding from. It's like all their massive attack money that they go out and do this for. Possibly. So. Um, I I wanted it to be Robert Gunningham, yeah, just because it was like, oh, look, the, the science makes sense or whatever. Yeah. But well, even so, the science makes sense. But another thing that 3D. also three D, the same thing. Every time three D or every time massive attack goes on tour. Banksy seems to follow their tour and do artwork throughout wherever they're on tour. It, when they did the uh, the Banksy Does New York thing for like 30 days straight, that's where Massive Attack was rehearsing to start their tour. And so Massive Attack was in New York for those 30 days until they kicked off their tour. And that when they kicked off their tour, that's also when Banksy's like thing ended. So it was mm-hmm. like night one, Banksy's done, but this is night one of Massive Attack. So like Massive Attack is taking over now. And same thing with the LA, like Banksy Does LA. Massive attack is somehow in town. Mm-hmm. All those Bristol, everything's going on there. So it is, you know, up for debate. However, you may feel about it, but I, I, this is like believing in in uh, in, in Santa Claus. Like I kind of want to believe that they're the same person. I almost just my knock on it is like there's no way, no one's that talented. Like mm-hmm. no one's, no one can do that. Yeah, you tell me Trent Reznor and Michael Jordan are the same person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I want it to be. I want it to be either 3D or Robert Gunningham or just like some other individual, if you will. Yeah. But there is a piece of me that that truly believes like it has to almost be a collective where if it was one person, right, and he's had fallouts, like his original art broker or whatever, like he still like defends like his identity. Like they had a, a quasi fallout, if you will. If you watch Exit Through the Gift Shop, where it's debatable if it's a work or not, where like he turns the camera on uh, Terry Guetta, like this French dude that just like you know films, he films like the, um, he films Banks, he Mr. films Mr. Brainwash, yeah, he films uh, uh, all these other street artists or whatever, and he becomes like their 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 dude or whatever, right? And like they have a falling out, and he's st- Mr. Brainwash, the Terry Guetta guy, he still defends his identity. And you're like, okay, maybe this is just a work from Banksy or whatever. Some people think Mr. Brainwash is Banksy, which yeah. I don't believe. So, like, which is possible because I was thinking about that. Like, I organically came up to that conclusion by myself. Um, kind of like a Prince thing, where like Prince has all of these artists that he's like, well, I this song is meant to be sung through the eyes of, or through the you know the voice of, of a female like I could put it out or whatever like nothing compares to you he gives it to Sinead O'Connor or he creates his own girl group to do this anyways like the Morris Day in the time like I can't do anything wacky like that so I'm gonna have my own group or whatever and just like have them perform my songs I can totally see Banksy like saying like hey you want to be a street artist do all this or whatever and putting it on this French yeah. guy that wants to be in there and then he makes him a millionaire or whatever which would be very Banksy like because 
that Terry Guetta guy, like not to spoil this documentary, like he seems like the worst husband slash father because he's, he's just this bum yeah. that lets his wife like, you know, financially take care of like six kids and like pay all the bills in LA, like the yeah. most fucking expensive place. And then like gives him like this artwork to do that makes him millions of dollars, goes on to fucking do Madonna's greatest hits album cover or whatnot. Like I could see Banksy doing that, like seeing like, oh dude, you're a shitty father and husband. Like, Let's give you some income so you can at least <laughs> provide for this yeah. family kind of thing. But I can also see it being a work where it's just like, okay, like, here's, you want a face to my artwork? Boom, here it is. It's this fat hedgehog, yeah. this Ron Jeremy looking motherfucker, <laughs> like, you know, to be like the face of uh, some Banksy offshoot shit. So I can see that too. But it, it could be, as I was watching that, I was like, how is this guy any different than the dude that was selling the Banksy artwork for like 60 bucks? Mm. Like, is this just another, like, a bigger art project for him to say, like, look at this dude I created. Like, I told him you can make artwork, and he made artwork, and you guys bought it up and ate it up like nothing. Mm-hmm. Even though he has, like, no artistic background, he just basically said, like, let's just fucking super glue Madonna's face with a mustache or whatever and call it artwork. Yeah. And people ate it up. People were like, yeah, that's it. Like he has a career now in artwork or in, 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 he did that Madonna, the greatest hits, right? That's his big Mm -hmm. thing that I think the, the, uh, the, uh, Elba's holding a machine gun, like the multiple prints of that, like were, were sold for like millions of dollars because day one, he went out and autographed all of them. Like everybody who walked in and it was like, Oh dude, Mr. Brainwashed, even though he's a total nobody. And it's five months ago, he was fucking just running a Goodwill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, like, well, maybe this is Banksy's fucking commentary. Instead of being like all political and stuff, maybe this is just his um, his commentary on the hype culture. Like Supreme, yeah. Supreme's not selling you anything. Like Supreme will sell you a fucking curling iron, but because it's got a Supreme logo on it, fucking uh, fucking simps will go out and fucking buy it for five hundred dollars or whatever, yeah. just because it. Oh, it's a fucking. It's a. It's got Supreme logo on it. I gotta buy it. Yeah. And it's like that whole hype culture or whatever. Maybe it's like his whole fucking commentary on that like you idiots like you fell for it again like mm-hmm. kind of thing I, again all the way 360 degrees like it's got Banksy's fingerprints all over it kind of yeah. thing yeah and the fact that he that was not a movie that was supposed to be directed by Banksy but he like just took it over he's like you know what dude you're way crazy and like way more interesting than me so like let's just put the camera on you and see yeah. what you do with it I was like yeah, you're Bravo. right. It's and that's good. another reason that it kind of like makes me think maybe it's a collective because maybe there is no Banksy story. Like the whole thing where he says like I played goalie for fucking the the Bristol Cowboys and Cowgirls and toured Mexico. Like yeah. that's probably just a bullshit fucking yeah. Oh, let's start. That could just be a lie to just throw people off the breadcrumbs and like Mhm. Cuz there's no validate. Are you telling me that nobody kept record of that who was on the team? Mm-hmm. It's a real team, but nobody remembers him. Nobody has pictures of him. And it's the goalie. It's not like it was just like a random like bench player. Yeah, I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. Well, you got anything else on this dude? I guess. Um. I guess to end this one, what would you say your favorite um, Banksy work would be? Man. Um. I have so many. Like honestly, that Banksy does New York uh, documentary. Um. I showed that to my girlfriend when. A few months ago, I was going to say when we first started dating, it feels like forever ago. <laughs> no, uh, I showed it to her a few months ago, and um, and I was like, what do you think? Like, isn't some of this stuff crazy? Like, some of it's wacky? I, I think that the fact that 
I viewed that as all one giant piece. Like the fact that he took over New York. Mayor Bloomberg came out and said, "Like you are a bandal and not you're not welcome in my town. And if we catch you, we're arresting you." And he kept on doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that element of it. The fact that he is not just he's doing it and he's doing it in this very defiant way. And he's pointing out the fact that. If you drive down the street here, like, you know, one of the major streets here is Columbus Avenue, and on Columbus Avenue, you'll see a giant Burger King sign, and you'll see a McDonald's sign, and there's a Taco Bell over here, and a fucking uh, KFC over here, and they're plastered everywhere, and everything is, you're being constantly bombarded with this, like, corporate logos and all this garbage that's just constantly in your face. And we don't bat an eye about it. We just totally take it in as that's just how life is. And the minute somebody shows up and does this, what I would consider like real artwork, artwork that is definitely not disposable, artwork that should be looked at and studied and and praised, and we make it illegal and we make it like you should be a you should be ashamed of yourself and we're gonna hunt you down and find you for doing this for showing us this. Um, it uh. Th- that whole thing to me is is one of my favorite pieces, just because he had Mayor Bloomberg on his on his <laughs> on, on, his the, on the case. He, uh, Bloomberg's on the case to hunt this dude down, and to me that that's the most genius thing about it. Like that's how artwork should be. Like artwork should be on the fringe of controversial, on the fringe of dangerous. I've talked about how music to me, like the most exciting music to me, is when music feels dangerous, and mm-hmm. what he's doing feel is danger. Like literally is dangerous. <laughs> like. You can go to jail for doing that. You can go to jail for putting the thing that he did in when, uh, Disneyland and mm-hmm. spray painting on these walls and all this stuff. Like, uh, I, I, uh, but that one's my favorite one, the, the New York one. I'm glad it's so well documented. And yeah, you're right. I love that because, and they talk about it in that documentary where it's just like in the 80s, like graffiti, graffiti was a problem. And, you know, mayors like Bloomberg and Koch and all these motherfuckers, like, they, they spent a lot of time and energy trying to get rid of, you know, that. And, you know, you couldn't, and during that time period, you couldn't get on, like, a subway, uh, you know, train without, like, seeing, like, all this, like, you know, graffiti and whatnot. They cleaned up New York, uh, but in place of all that graffiti, you know, in a public place, instead of seeing all that graffiti, now you see a different type of graffiti, which is, like, all this, like, corporate, like, you know, uh, you buy this Burger King, uh, you know, double pounder meal with a extra side of barbecue sauce kind of thing, like, you know, shoved in front of your face in a public spot. And the only difference is, is like they paid to have that shit there. Banksy does the same thing too, where it's just like, he'll go to a shopkeep and be like, Hey, uh, it's a perfect example in San Francisco, uh, where he paid like a shopkeep, like, Hey, can I pay you $50 to put this piece of uh, work on the side of your building? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Like, my business is struggling anyway. Like, 50 bucks, 50 bucks, man. Fuck it, whatever. And he'll do that. And then since San Francisco had a zero-tolerance policy for vandalism, they immediately send out, like, their crews to fucking go paint over it. And it's just like, what's the difference between, like, Burger King putting a fucking placard or a billboard right there and then Banksy putting, like, a thought-provoking, you know, commentary on society right there, which is actually, like, a really... It's not, like, fucking little little cholo, you know, yeah. 13. It's not, like, one of those. It's, like, an actual piece of art... piece with artistic merit on it. Like, what's the difference there thing? And I, th- I think that's beautiful. Uh, one of my favorite pieces... Uh, was the um, I don't want to fucking mispronounce the name the devolved par- parliament 
where it's not a tagging mm. piece. The monkeys? Yeah, it's 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 actually like an actual painting painting of, you know, the British Parliament, and they're all, you know, Planet of the Apes monkeys or whatever. And I just thought, like, that's like a genius fucking play, commentary on, like, the silliness of government or whatever. It's, at the end of the day, it's all just monkeys throwing shit at each other kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I really, that one really, like, spoke to me. I like that. And there, But there's a million... <laughs> or thousands yeah, you, I should you say you can't go wrong you'll sell you could sell me on any one of his paintings and tell me that's your favorite one and they're all great they all have their own little thing there's even one that that uh it's super simple and it's just uh I forgot who the original person that said it but it, it just says like um real um real artists don't make art they steal it and then and it has a person who said it I think it's like I don't know, Picasso said it. And then he scratches out the Picasso and then writes Banksy underneath it, <laughs> which I was like, dude, that's genius. Like, yeah. that is genius. Like, so simple, yeah. Like, Yeah, I didn't really see, like, I spent, like, most of this week going down rabbit holes with just, like, looking at his art. Like, I'm wearing a Pulp Fiction shirt just because one of his most famous ones is, like, Pulp Fiction dudes, oh, like, with, the with bananas. bananas and shit. And I was like, dude, that's fucking hilarious or whatever. Yeah. And, like, the whole story behind that. It's going to be a four-hour podcast if we, like, re- reviewed each and every one of his fucking, like, pieces of work. But it's just, like, it's all great, you know? And, like, how many artists out there can you say that about? And it's, like, very little. And um, to kind of finish my thought about, like, who Banksy is kind of thing, I do think it's a collective because everybody seems to be, like, supporting, like, the anonymity of this guy. And it's just, like, well, maybe it is a collective because they're all Banksy kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like the important thing is not to concentrate on who this person is, like a Kanye West or whatever. Like, where it's like the personality is bigger than the music kind of thing. Where it's just like it puts all the focus on the artwork. Where it's just like, no, no, it doesn't matter who this guy is. Like, it could be fucking Kim Jong Un. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't fucking <laughs> matter. It could be Donald Trump. Yeah, goddamn, that would be a trip if that was it. Or it could be Larry Elder. <laughs> you know, it could be Alex Jones. Who knows? Yeah. Who does? Who knows? Who doesn't? Who cares? Whatever, right? It could be three D. That would life would be totally unfair if it was. Mm. But the most important thing is not the personality; it's the actual art that's on whatever canvas it, it appears on yeah yeah and i think that the fact that he's not showing his face just makes that even more mm-hmm. intriguing and it, it kind of creates that whole element of like he can never get old like i i do think that there is something visually in the back of our minds that that um once we see our favorite artists like getting older you're just like oh it's not that interesting or yeah. or like a younger person like a younger person would probably be put off if like if Banksy was like this old man doing this artwork. If he was Robert Gunningham. Yeah. <laughs> but because it's this Banksy, like there's no age, there's nothing. We think he was born in like the late sixties, early seventies ish, but we don't know. Like there's no image of him. It's basically, you know, um I was I was gonna call him three D, but two D from Gorillas, the lead singer of Gorillas name is two D. Um he uh he'll never age therefore like he'll always be like the poster child to you know as long as the vocal sounds good kids kids will it's funny like i see younger people now that are like into gorillas and i'm like dude gorillas have been around since i was in high school but Mm. like the fact that they're still like fresh because the characters never get old is kind of weird but kind of cool let me ask you a question that kind of came up uh in a few podcasts and documentaries that i saw about banksy 
if his ID was to be revealed, and let's say he was fucking Larry Elder or some mm-hmm. bullshit like that, or let, let or just say he's just like some fucking average Joe looking fucking English dude or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Because to me, they all look the same over there. <laughs> um, would that take away from the allure of his paintings for you? No, not from the allure of the paintings. Like I said, or work, I should say. Yeah, no, none, none. It wouldn't take away anything from it. I, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't l- not like the fact that there's mystery to it. It, it adds the fact that there's mystery to it. The fact that we don't know what he looks like. The fact that it's this entity that's just hiding in the shadows. Um you know, covering his face. We don't know what he looks like. That is super interesting. The fact that he has money and we don't know where he's getting this much money. We know he's making money, Mm. but he can't possibly be making that much money to fund these giant projects that he does. Like there's something intriguing of all that. And if it, if, if I said that that wasn't fascinating to me, I'd be lying because that is definitely intriguing to me. Yeah. Someone said, or a few, quite a few people said like, Oh, if his ID was to ever be, revealed or whatever like automatically like no one would care about his paintings and i was like dude i strongly disagree because i think of it like as a well-cooked steak like yeah you can add fucking you know sauteed onions and mushrooms on it and all that stuff and the 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 mystery is that it's the sauteed onions and mushrooms and the garnish and all that shit or whatever right it adds to the well-cooked steak but if you took all that shit away and the steak was nice cut cooked to perfection maybe a little bit of seasoning on it, which is what his artwork is, I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm not pushing it away from my table. I'm still eating it up. And it's the same way I view, like, his artwork. It's just like, damn, this shit's dope as fuck, man. I can only dream to ever do anything (laughs) remotely great Yeah, no, I I think that because he's done the artwork, where he's done the artwork and how he's done the artwork, that's the fascinating part. Like, that's... You know, I don't care if that's Donald Trump. If it were Donald Trump, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I might, I might consider. <laughs> yeah, like you tell me, you've been doing this. You tagged your own wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like no, it it is definitely fascinating what 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 he does, and I think that's that's the important part. Like the artwork stands alone, stands for like what you know, st- stands on itself. It doesn't matter who did it. Mm. Um, I know that some DJ came out and said like they were doing an interview about him and they said, yeah, and then Rob, he just called him Rob like casually. Oh, DJ Goldie, yeah. Yeah, he just called him like Rob casually, which again, I feel like doesn't people were like, oh, then it must be Robbie over here. But then it's like both of those dudes, the dude from Massive Attack, you could also call him Rob. So I don't know. It, was like, it didn't really solve much for me. It was just yeah. kind of like it just left it open-ended where and it's his, like and his work name banksy's work name was robin banks yeah so it's like okay you really didn't pull the curtain back at all yeah so i don't know again another dude in the music industry knows who he is so like some high profile people know who he is and it's like nobody says anything so it's kind of weird it the whole thing is weird i love the mystery of it i love the artwork i love the projects i can't wait to see more more um more Banksy artwork. One thing I will say is if you live in LA, there is a project called, um, um, Banksy brilliant or bandle. Uh, don't go to that. Uh, that is a ripoff. I haven't gone to it, but I read the reviews on it. Apparently it's like all these fake, fake Banksy's and, um, they charge you like ridiculous amount of money oh, to I see these. So don't do it. There is a real one in New York where they actually have like real Banksy stuff and it's worth the price of admission. But the one in LA is like total fake. Just saying, if anyone's interested in losing California. 
Hey, if if you ain't got a painted elephant, I ain't interested in that shit. Okay. And there's real ones still in L.A. that you don't even have to pay for. You can just see it. They're regular street art, so they're still up. So there you go. Google map that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're probably Pokemon stops too. I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone out there that still plays Pokemon Go, I was surprised as shit to learn that that's still a thing. Uh, this yeah, week those too. cops. <laughs> cops yeah. still play it. Yeah. If you get that joke, God bless you. But with that said, Art, do you have anything else? Uh, no, Terry Bobby, Boo Boo 2, Shout Lives at Jackman, Shout Lives at Warren. Shout out to our guest from last week, Ross, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, that's it. Yeah, so uh, with that said, guys, if you want to uh, post some of your favorite Banksy works to our Facebook group or any of our social medias, hit us up at Art and Jacob Do America all over the social what, media spectrum. What's the Republican Banksy? What's the conservative Banksy? Because I, I feel like Jesus, and the, the words are hard. People should do like the... I've Is said it Norman Rockwell? No, I feel like <laughs> Republicans are like super conservative people. Like they don't have an artistic side at oh, all. Right, it's just right. like you know what? Jason Aldean's leather uh, uh, bracelets. Big and rich. <laughs> <laughs> Those frosted tips. That's a real artist right there. Whoever put that together. Guy Fury, yeah. big and rich, and that dude from Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, man. The way <laughs> the Holy Trinity. The way the oh bartending. That's that's their art. Oh bartending. Yeah, that's oh, okay. their, that's their artistic flair. Um, I wish I was joking about that, but to me, I feel like the reason... 16 herbs and spices, boy. That's the, <laughs> that's the only artwork I know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfection, baby. So with that said, hit us up on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A1, because sometimes that's just how a steak is done. God damn it. 16 herbs and motherfucking spices. God damn it. When I'm editing this fucking video fucking tomorrow, I'm going to fucking <laughs> bust out laughing. Anyways, uh, if you want to support this podcast uh, any which way possible, we don't have a pest control broker that helps fund this podcast. Uh, guys, go ahead on head on over to p- patreon.com slash America. Uh, sign up there. $1 a week gets you a bonus episode every single week. For your listening pleasure. This week was a really good one. I feel like we that, that conversation it went was, it went all over the place, but it was good. Yeah, I, I really enjoy this week's Patreon. So check us out over there. Uh, do the Lord's work, help support us there. If you want to support us in any other way, head on over to artandjacobdoamerica.com where Art has supplied links to our merch store uh, over at T Public. So check that out. Buy yourself a t-shirt, buy yourself a sweatshirt, buy yourself a mask. Buy yourself a uh, coffee mug or even a phone cover. Goddamn, I'm always surprised on what our fucking logo is attached to over there. You can even buy some fucking cheap-ass uh, Banksy, Banksy rip-off over there at Public as well. I don't advise doing that, but um, yeah, go over there, uh, buy some stuff. Uh, and it's not so much to help support us financially because we'll probably get like 12 cents you know, for a t-shirt or something ridiculously stupid like that. Uh, but it's more or less like you're a walking... Banksy piece, if you will, a walking billboard uh, to help you know spread the good word of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast wherever you are in this multiverse that we live in. Um, but other than that, guys, if you want to hear some other great podcasts, I highly recommend going to the Podbelly Network, where you are official members of. I believe Selfa King they did an episode on Banksy, uh, where they talk shit uh, for 15 minutes and then they get into the actual topic. And then Dave uh, kind of peruses over the fact that he might be 3D from Mass Effect. I know. That was one of my biggest complaints where he's like, yeah, never mind. We were. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but head on over there. 99% of the time they have really great episodes that I will use for research for these episodes as well. So check them out. 
um, over there. Um, also check out my homeboy Eddie over at the RRBG podcast. Who has interviewed Banksy. Who had, he legitimately has met, met yeah, Banksy. He might be Banksy, to be honest with you guys. He actually did uh, an uh, a reveal yesterday on uh, Instagram Live where an artist similar to Banksy, a street artist, did send him uh, some artwork that he did for his podcast. And he, he opened that live on air. And it was fucking badass. It was super, super interesting. Uh, so check him at check him out over at the RRBG podcast. He's also starting another podcast. I can't let the cat out of the bag. But it's going to be huge. It's going to be at a really world-famous establishment. He's going to have even more bigger celebrities on that podcast. So check him out. He's a personal friend of mine as well as uh, this show. But other than that, Art, I'm done. I hear my son playing in the background causing a ruckus. I got to go be a good dad and watch some football. Yeah, man. Go be a good dad. Go watch some football. Good luck to your Cowboys. And with that said, guys, goodbye. Good night. And good night. show together and I had this idea to make a piece about Guantanamo Bay and the detention of all these terror suspects so I took Terry with me and we didn't tell anyone else about it and we just shot off like in the morning before the show opened. I came, pick him up, just me and him, you know I'm kind of uh, excited I'm going to Disneyland. It was around the anniversary of September the 11th, so it was a pretty high-tempo moment. Uh, can I get two adults just for Disneyland, please? $2 is your change and your two Disneyland tickets. Is Mickey Mouse going to be there today? Yes, Mickey Mouse will be there. You go to Toontown and he's waiting for you guys. Okay. So we've been wandering around the park for a while, and then there's this sign with a picture of a camera on it saying this will be a great place to take your souvenir photo. So that obviously seemed like the best place to put him. He's like, this is where I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. He goes in the corner and starting to blow up to, uh, to pump a doll. And he goes and he starts putting it in. And he put it. He attached it to the metal bars, and and it takes time. And he was kind of suspense because you know it's Disneyland. There is people who comes. And then I walked off one way and left Terry there filming it. And me, I'm filming, taking pictures, because it's like, uh, you know, it's like the moment that I'm here for. In one moment, they stopped the train. We start to see some people coming in, security and and people like this, but 
not dress like security, but look like, uh, you know, like people who is not at Disneyland to have fun, you know? So I'm starting to feel scared. I'm walking to leave. One guy is behind me, two guys behind me, three guys behind me, four guys behind me. And one moment, pam, 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 from every corner, they, they hold me. I went in the toilets, I changed my hat, I changed my shirt. Then I went out and I went on the, like, Indiana Jones ride, and then when I came off that, I tried calling Terry, didn't get any answer, so... Then I went on Pirates of the Caribbean. While Banksy went on the rides, Terry was being introduced to a very different side of the Magic Kingdom. So they put me on a seat. There is a guy here, a guy there. And they said, you are in big, big, big trouble. So they actually started shutting down parts of the park. There was like walkie-talkies crackling everywhere and all of a sudden it seemed to be a very, very serious thing indeed. Held in an interrogation room, Terry was questioned by Disney's security people and one man who claimed he was from the FBI. I'm like, I don't know what you have for me. I was there. You, 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 you like telling me that I have something to do with this person. I don't have anything to do with this person. I don't have anything to do. I mean, it's, I was the, uh, there at the wrong time, at the wrong moment. You know, I was taking pictures and things like this. And he says, did you take a lot of pictures? And I said, no, I took uh, one pictures and things like this. But uh, I even deleted when, uh, when, uh, when, when uh, you guys came to, to me. No, the camera is on the table, it's full of pictures. And I'm telling that to the guy. So I'm lying completely. The only thing he has to do is to turn on that camera. So I tried Terry again, and this time he answered, and I said, where are you? And he said, hello, my Cherie, and how are you, my darling? And how are the children? And I thought, yeah, at that point, I thought I'd better leave the park. He's like, okay, show me the pictures. I take the camera, I take him. I said, look, I put it on, I go, I go and menu right away, I go and delete and I go, and the thing goes, and I go, bam, I put it down and I said, I don't have any picture on him and I don't have any proof on you. I don't have nothing with you guys and I don't have nothing with this guy because I don't know who it is. Like this, I don't, you know, I'm clear. After four hours of questioning, with no evidence to hold him, Terry was released. So after Terry withstood interrogation from the entire Mickey Mouse security team, didn't fold, didn't buckle, he did a really good job of stashing the tape in his sock. I guess I trusted Terry with everything. He was my guy after that. Listen like that, man. It's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.